When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. All right, welcome in. This is Daily Vikings Entertainment. Purple Daily. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. You know, 60 plus years. We even told that to Kevin O'Connell's face yesterday. Kevin, it's time. It's time for this franchise to win a Super Bowl, and it rests solely on your 37-year-old shoulders. <laughs> hey, kid, win a Super Bowl right now. Mm-hmm. What do you got to say about that? So, yeah, if you missed it yesterday, Kevin O'Connell, we thank him for taking some time out of his day here, uh, ramping up to training camp to join the show. And the feedback that you guys, the audience, have provided on this episode from yesterday is incredible. It's the most listened to or watched episode of Purple Daily this summer so far, basically in the the post-draft uh, sort of malaise of the offseason. So just thank you for all the, 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 the positive feedback that everyone's given us. And uh, we're going to just devote most of this episode today to diving into the things we learned or think we learned, things we picked up on in our 20 minutes talking with the new Vikings head coach and all of it presented by our friends at Surly Brewing Company and TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL and learn more at TCL.com. So um, let's just, yeah, let's, let's go around the room here. We'll start with Judd and just discuss the things that we learned or picked up on in that conversation with Kevin O'Connell yesterday? I think the first thing I picked up on was, you know, a couple of questions that we asked him about Kirk Cousins is I think it's, he sort of confirmed just from a general point of view, what the approach is going to be with Kirk to get Kirk to take that step from a statistical star to an actual star. And that is empowering him more. Like he's definitely going to be asked to do more and make decisions more. So like the whole well, I can't do this or do that, I think is just off the table now. That's gone. He'll be, you know, call timeouts, that's fine. Change a play here or there, or at least have multiple plays that you go to the the line of scrimmage with, that's fine too. Um, I said this before, and I still believe it to be the truth. I think Kevin O'Connell sees the opportunity here to sort of implement his brain and work with Kirk, because he's obviously a really smart offensive guy. And he didn't make it as a quarterback, despite being a third-round pick of the Patriots, in the league, not because he lacked smarts, but he lacked the physical gifts and talent, which Kirk, by the way, I think probably has, for sure. So 
I think in talking about Kirk, and I and you could tell with Kevin, there's still some questions there because I mean it, it's yet to actually they're yet to play a game. Yeah. But I think in talking with Kevin, we basically saw the fact that this is going to be, and the feeling is, it's going to be a partnership in which Kevin O'Connell, a very smart offensive mind who certainly knows what goes into playing the quarterback position, can work with Kirk to get him to a point of taking that next step. Yeah, well, he one of the phrases I wrote down was, he said, we're looking to tilt the odds in our favor before player skill sets even come into the equation. Yes. And Through scheme and play calling and play design. And that gets back to, uh, I, I think the most important thing O'Connell has talked about since he got here, uh, just from that standpoint, is the Cooper Cup job. So they are, he is literally saying Justin Jefferson is going to be used to unearth at the line of scrimmage what an opponent is doing. Mm-hmm. So like you'll know because Jefferson is so dangerous that you can use him as a guy to get a defense to tip its hand, right? And so that's that whole thing of we are going to give, and, and I think it's why Kirk is probably going to go to the line of scrimmage with a couple of plays because then Kirk, this is going to be on Kirk, not Kevin, then Kirk is going to have to basically see what they draw out and call the correct play. It's a really interesting thing, but I mean, it's so far beyond what the Vikings were doing last year when they would just sort of accept defeat of, well, Jefferson's gone now. No, Jefferson's going to be the piece that basically gives Kirk the answers to the test. Yeah, it, excuse me, I get emotional thinking about the Vikings' new offense. Makes me crack up a little bit. Uh, It felt oftentimes, not always, but it felt oftentimes like the Vikings were too reactionary on offense. It was okay. And they, hell, I mean, there was games where Kirk Cousins would get up to a podium or Clint Kubiak, you know, midweek or Zimmer, and, and you'd say, okay, why was Justin Jefferson only targeted four times or six times or any number less than 100 mm-hmm. <laughs> in a game? Yeah. And uh, I think there was a Lions game in particular at one point in the last couple of years where we, you know, we, we made fun of it the whole day on the next show. It's like, well, they were rolling two safeties over the top. And so they kind of they took that away is what Kirk Cousins was saying. It's like, wait a second. The Lions are the first team in NFL history to roll safety help over the top against an elite wide receiver. And, oh, I guess that's checkmate. I guess, well, right. now we gotta, I got to throw to Tyler Conklin six times now. And it sounds to me like Kevin O'Connell doesn't accept that as an answer or a solution to what they're trying to do. I, I get the sense, and I think he even said the word dictate when he was talking about this yesterday, that we are going to dictate what happens ourselves. In fact, he wants to put together, he said, different looks and different plays and structures that we can run. Did he call it like ultra, ultra or something? Where like yep. where the Vikings can run some of their favorite plays and sets, regardless of what the defensive look is. Because we, we dictate. We're going to put Justin Jefferson right here, and it doesn't matter what you're showing us. We're, we have a way to get him the ball here. Right. Or there's two different things that Kirk has to make a decision on at the line of scrimmage. But I guess my grand point here is, instead of always reacting to, oh, the defense is doing this, and so then it it makes us have to go away from what we want to do. No, keep finding ways to jam the ball to Cooper Cup, which is what the Rams did. Now, second half of the season, Justin Jefferson had a ton of targets. Obviously, he's put up historic numbers in the first two years of any wide receiver. So it's like they're doing something, we're doing something right. Right. But there's more. Everyone can kind of sense there's there's more to be done there. They were not a top 10 overall offense. 
I love this because it, it gets down to the very simple thing. Jefferson was great. I mean, cousin stats again. Oh, my goodness gracious, right? But you know what was flawed offensively beyond belief? The process. The process was very flawed. And what O'Connell is saying, and, and this is the difference between a defensive coach who tolerates offense and, and an offensive coach, what O'Connell is saying is we want the answers to the damn test before the test starts. Yep. Another thing he talked about was creating a system and play calls that eliminate some of the decision-making at the line of scrimmage for Cousins. Not that you won't have to you know, maybe pick between a couple plays, but that we kind of know going up to the line of scrimmage that this is who the ball is going to go to. And, you, and there's not a whole – because what happens with Cousins, analytically, you can prove this, he is excellent first read as a quarterback. Like, protection's there, first read is there. If he has to start going down to, like, second, third progression or pocket starts to get muddy, it's a problem for him. And the, and the numbers would bear that out. And some of it's because he's not that mobile. Some of it's, you know – when you get up the middle of pressure, like the Vikings give up, it just makes it harder for any quarterback. But some of it's on him. He is a very, he's a very rigid guy. He he doesn't have a lot of like improvisational arm slots or the ability to to sidestep in the way that maybe a Joe Burrow or even a ancient Tom Brady does. Um, so you definitely want to try and create as many perfect, clean circumstances as possible. But you know, one of my questions to him was, it's not realistic in a three-hour football game to just have perfect conditions and he said yeah that's absolutely true so the things that we're trying to do are make it easier for him before the snap so that you don't have to get into many situations where oh my god i'm like trying to go to my third read here and it's like he whatever however they're going to do this he's going to know before the ball is snapped more often what the right play is and who to throw it to so we'll see pre-snap motion my good man pre-snap because pre-snap you can learn a ton that's what they're that that's what they're banking on. And and it's what they they used motion, but I don't think they used it to their advantage in 2021. So like it's going to be it's gonna be and this is why we are going to find out now. Like we're gonna find out. I, I think this is going this year in particular is going to tell us a ton about Kirk. Yeah. Uh Dex, what was your main takeaway observation yesterday? Uh that they finally have a head coach that leans into Kirk. Um, and leans into Kirk, I think, for the right and not necessarily the wrong reasons either. Um, he's Kirk is who he is at this point in his career. I, I don't think um, there's a next level. I do think there's something that can be tweaked to unlock a bit, but I don't think there's a ceiling to him being a top-five quarterback, and I think Kevin O'Connell knows that, and he's not going to want to overwhelm him, and, and that's where you know the quiet mind comment came to play, um, making things easier. You guys just talked about with the pre-snap motions and whatnot. Zimmer just never embraced him. And whether that was sometimes Kirk's fault or whether that was Zimmer's fault, at the end of the day, the quarterback position is the most important one on the football field, and Zimmer's big concern was hanging the ball off to Dalvin on first and second down no matter what and trying to control the game with defense. I think the Vikings now have a head coach who is leaning into his quarterback for the first time. And it, hey, this might not work out, right? Like They could still be a 7-9 and nine team. They could be worse than 7-9. and nine. But for the lack of a better situation Kevin O'Connell is saying I'm leaning into my quarterback here and we're going to make things easier and we'll still be successful running it back with the same roster yeah and you brought up the first and second down thing too that was another thing that he kind of brought up unprompted I I would have loved to have gotten into more of a deep dive third down discussion with him or some people were asking if we could have gone deeper on some certain subjects and I'm sure we'll get him on again sometime and we can go deeper but 
he talked about getting a quarterback going on first and second down, kind of like spot up shooters in basketball. How you just you, you can't just ask them to come up, come but the fourth quarter. It's all right. It's time to unleash some threes here. You'd like to get him in the flow of things. A couple corner threes in the first quarter. Get a wing shot attempt over there in the second quarter. And if you're not passing enough on first and second down, a you're probably not moving the ball as much as you should be, but you're also now asking your quarterback, okay, now it's third down and nine. Um, figure it out, guys. There's a rhythm that goes into it, and I'm glad that he acknowledged the importance of that on first and second down. I absolutely loved the fact that he talked about, too, trusting Justin Jefferson. Didn't you guys? Yeah. Like, he's literally saying Kirk is going to have to throw some passes that Kirk doesn't really like to throw because the guy he's throwing them to is that good. Like, this is exactly what you want. And you know what? At times, they might get picked. I honestly, unless it's a stupid pass, don't care. Like, when when he talks about trusting guys, like, there's so many things here that are going to change as far as not doing dumb things, um, because, and the support is clearly for Kirk going to be there. But, you know, you are going to have to make passes that you don't want to make or trust yourself but your arm can make them, and Jefferson can catch them. I thought that was very telling. There's a lot of coaches who would never say that. Yeah. You know, he uh, he, he had a chance, too. I, get, I gave him a chance with, with the, my first Kirk Cousins question. I said, so full disclosure, we've been very critical of Kirk on the show, and we, we acknowledge how great he is when conditions are clean and the offensive line is protecting, but when conditions get muddy and the opposing team knows that he's going to pass and, you know, you're facing pressure up the middle or whatever it is, like it's it, – it melts down for him more than it does for other teams. I said, please stop if stop me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff. And and he didn't. I think he didn't like dive into the criticisms, but but he did. I like that he took the ball and kind of went down the, yep, here are the things that we think we can do to get him playing with a quiet mind, which he referred to a couple times throughout the discussion. Um, there's more to get into here with reacting to Kevin O'Connell, and we will get to what people are saying about the Minnesota Vikings, but... Uh, let's shout out one of the more fun summer events in the Twin Cities. The 3M Open is coming to town once again. Or I guess the PGA is coming to town. The 3M Open's always just here waiting for the end of July, Declan. That's right. Cameron Champ's coming back to defend that title at the 3M Open July 18th to the 24th at TPC Twin Cities. You got Tony Finau coming. Um, other great golfers are coming. Hideki Matsuyama's going to be there. A lot of great former winners on PGA Tour. The Open's this weekend, and then next week, uh, we get the PGA Tour. So just back-to-back, me and Phil are both golf nerds, and we're going to be injecting all the golf, I think, into our veins over the next two weeks, and especially at TPC Twin Cities at the 3M Open. You can get your tickets at 3MOpen.com slash tickets, 3MOpen.com slash tickets. Kids 15 and under, two get in free with a paid adult ticket, 3MOpen.com slash tickets. Uh, people are asking every single week, I feel like, Judd, how have you lost so much weight? We've even had some great testimonials just sort of randomly from listeners who've lost yeah. 40, 50 pounds thanks to Livia. It's pretty crazy. Exactly right. It's thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. And you know what? Forget quiet mind. Let's talk about smaller waistlines because that's what's really important, right? <laughs> when those pants start to fit, when those clothes fit. And here's the best part. At the Zolgad household, I'm down 40 pounds, been talking about that for quite some time. I'm maintaining that weight loss, which is absolutely the toughest thing to do, but I'm doing it. And then uh, Dawn has joined, and she's down 10 pounds in a couple of weeks. It's fantastic. And look, the weight loss 
has been great. But again, I will go back to the fact that this also is such a supportive program. The dietitians are fantastic and they help you do what so many programs don't keep the weight off. We, we've all lost weight, but the key is to maintain that weight loss. And if you want to join now, it's this simple, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-LIVIA.com. And it, it can be done uh, either in person in town here, or if you're a Purple Daily fan in Iowa, in Tennessee, Seattle, where a guy just joined and sent us a great note online, on Zoom. It's that simple, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. Check them out. Lose the weight. Feel good. Teamwork, it works fantastic. All right, more reaction to Kevin O'Connell joining uh, the Big Purple Daily show yesterday. So we asked him about balancing play calling as a head coach, and he will be a first-time head coach and first-time play calling head coach, with also being plugged into just the 30,000-foot vision of strategy and game theory and everything that goes into end-game management and end-of-half management, timeout strategy, all those things. Like, How do you do all of those things at a high level? And uh, and and that's where he kind of leaned on. Hey, listen, we brought Mike Pettin in here to be an assistant head coach. He mentioned sort of the clock management coach, like the game day logistics clock management coach. Forget the guy's name. And then pre-planning during the week leading up to the game, he kind of referred to, okay, what is it going to take to beat this particular team this week and just having an idea going in. But I still say, like, I, I think this is the area where I have the most amount of questions. So you're going to be completely enveloped in play calling and what needs to happen from play to play with the play clock winding down on offense. Can you also be great at knowing when to call timeout, knowing, okay, how do we massage this possession to make sure they don't have enough time over here, right? Like that's a whole full-time job in itself, I feel like, that college and pro coaches don't do a good enough job at. Mike Zimmer was terrible at that stuff. And sometimes like it's really easy last year to look at the end of the first half and end of the second half meltdowns and say, the defense was terrible. Yes, the defense was not good last season. But how many times did the Vikings screw themselves with bad play calling or bad clock management offensively with 40 seconds to go or a minute 20 to go or something and then give the ball right back to an opposing team's offense when they didn't have to? Like, There's so many things like that that go into the chess game of the last three or four minutes of each half. And I, you know, we're not going to know until we get a few games in, but I still have questions about his ability to balance those things. This is where I, I love the, the fact that I, I think he's going to be the first Vikings coach to have an actual clock guy by him or talking to, <laughs> to him. Because, yeah, I mean, there are questions. And look, it's an art to call plays, too. Like, that's a lot. But I, but I think that Mike's problem was, in his case, he called defensive plays. And then he would just like arbitrarily call timeouts or 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 he'd get mad because he saw a play on the big screen and throw his red flag. Um, I think the most important thing here is going to be the presence of Petten and also a guy who clearly I think is probably going to say call a timeout here or don't. I don't think, and I might be wrong here, but I don't think that you need as a head coach to actually worry about timeouts as much as you do to outsource them and take the advice of the guy who's probably hyper-focused on them. Like, I don't know that timeouts are from, in, in football at least, Phil, I don't know they're from, like, a feel, right? 
Like, I don't think it's a feel like I'm going to take a time out here because it's only feel in certain instances where, OK, I, f- I feel like my defense is gassed right now. We need to call a timeout in the red zone to get okay. right. OK. But in terms of like when you should strategically call timeouts just from a clock standpoint, it's right. a lot more scientific. Yeah, exactly. And so mm. I, I would much prefer and I think the Vikings are now going to have a scientist doing that. Like, that's what worries me is is when it's like, oh, I'm just going to call a timeout here because I think it's the right. But, okay, they're valuable as hell. Yeah. Like, they're gold. So I think that O'Connell is going to give himself a much better chance as a play caller now to have a guy helping him in what I think was probably Mike's biggest downfall because he was not good at it. Yeah, my biggest timeout pet peeve is when – if like the play call, the, the play clock is running down because the play call came in late or something, or you get a quarterback with his hands on his ear holes, like, like you know, get the get the play in. It's like that type of stuff drives me nuts. Be prepared, get the play call in, get into the huddle. But then if the play clock is winding down, let's say it's third down and nine, and you're at your own twenty four yard line, and it's the early third quarter or something, and freaking quarterbacks will call a timeout in that situation. Because they're just they're instinctually taught to oh the play clock's winding down gotta call timeout to avoid the delay of game okay what's more valuable the five yards you're saving on third and nine between third and nine and third and fourteen on a possession that's probably going nowhere anyways because you're on your own twenty three yard line and it's early right. in the third quarter or whatever or that timeout that you might need to preserve forty seconds in the last two minutes that type of stuff most coaches don't. Don't think about that stuff. I mean, the Gophers are the worst at that. PJ Fleck is the is the absolute worst at just burning pointless timeouts early in the third or something. And Mike Zimmer was pretty bad at it too. Yep. But you watch some of these Patriots games over the years. Pretty often, more often than not, the Patriots have all three timeouts going into the second half of the fourth quarter. Once you hit like the seven or eight minute mark, they probably have three timeouts because they know this could get us an extra possession or two, or an extra chance at a field goal or something to tie the game. So whether it's Kevin O'Connell understanding that entire game himself or having someone that stands next to him poking him in the side saying, Don't call don't call timeout here. Right. You know, that's the only time I would tell cousins, listen, you have full authority to call timeouts once we get inside five minutes of the half. Anything outside of that, don't just be nuking timeouts because the play clock's winding down. Let's let's okay, if it's red zone and it's third and two. Okay, maybe we call timeout there because there's a big difference between third and two, third and seven inside the red zone. But right. don't just be calling stupid timeouts. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Another thing that I observed yesterday was just, and you can kind of pick this up in press conferences and stuff too, but just how different his personality is from Mike Zimmer, just how likable and personable, and he's he's Mike Zimmer is intelligent too, but just his intelligence comes from this, almost this pure place of how much he loves the game. It's like this Mike Zimmer sometimes talks about the game from this grizzled. I don't even know if he loves the game in the last two years. And that's probably part of the reason why he had to take a, take a minute off here and take a season off. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell three different times. I feel like had to apologize for, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but it's like, I love football. (laughs) It's it's like almost every one of his answers. You can, you can see why people like him. Is yes. what I'm saying. And, and I think Mike is a byproduct of what this job can do to you eventually. Because, like, when Mike started, Mike was enthusiastic, and he was always grizzled. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, that just – Mike is the prime example of what a long tenure can do. It it grinds you down. 
It wears you down. I mean, guys like Tomlin are incredible. I don't know how they do it. They, they stay fresh. Perhaps O'Connell can as well, which would be great for him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to disagree with you vehemently until you said the last two years, because you're exactly right. I think he hated everything about it by the last mm-hmm. two years. And I suppose when you and your boss and Spielman don't get along, it's a huge pain. But, yeah, he seemed, by training camp last year, I'm not exaggerating, Mike Zimmer seemed miserable. Like, this is going to be, cliched as it might be, a breath of fresh air. It's going to be a different atmosphere completely. Yeah, he's going to say hi to people and make eye contact in the hallways, which I know was a big sticking point. He's also going to enjoy coming to work. Like, I don't care if you say hi to me, but if it's clear that you hate, if you hate when your car goes in the park, in the parking lot, something's wrong. Like, it's still football. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else? What else did you guys observe? From the KOC experience yesterday that we haven't covered yet. Uh, that he's, he's a well-qualified head coach. I think we're in the, this era of the NFL, right? We're, we're just trying to hire the next offensive guru, right? Everyone's taking shots and darts on offensive coordinators from good offenses over the last few years. And some of those guys have worked out. Matt LaFleur has worked out. Um, there's questions about Cliff Kingsbury, but he's still, you know, has produced a, a decent offense with Kyler Murray and whatnot. Just listening to Kevin O'Connell, especially with us uh, in, in the last uh, last 24 hours, I've definitely come to the conclusion, like, I can see why he got this job. He's not just a hotshot offensive coordinator who knows football. That's a given when he's applying for this job. But he's he, he connects with people. He seems truthful with what he's saying. He's leaning into the to Kirk Cousins. I, I completely understand why he got this job. I don't believe it's just lip service. The dude is a qualified guy that deserves an NFL opportunity, and I don't think it's just a, a hot flash higher just because he's an offensive coordinator. I think this dude's well-qualified and deserves to be an NFL head coach. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about this much. Um, and he did, and he broached it quickly, but he, he also talked about this uh, during the press conferences, uh, during the camps in the spring and summer, and I think it's a very important thing, too. He has brought in a defensive philosophy that is a very modern one to, to help the Vikings win games, but also to challenge the offense. Uh, Zimmer wanted his defense to, no question about it, beat the offense. Like he wanted to be like, that's my defense. They kick some ass today. And that's Mike. But the defense wasn't there to like challenge them. They, they were there to look good. The defensive philosophy that Donatel brings in here is a very modern NFL versatile. It's called a three, four, but it's not, it, it can morph to a, a Four three as well. It's very multiple. Oh God, is it multiple? And in fire that zone. Mul- fire zone. And, and in that multiplicity, what you have is a defense that's going to give the offense looks that O'Connell wants. In short, O'Connell is not interested in winning in practice. He doesn't want to see his offense look great in practice. He wants to make sure his offense is prepared for games. And his mind, the, this defense is going to do that. It's a very different philosophy to say, I want my defense to win today in practice, or I want my guys to be challenged so that when Sunday comes, they'll have a better chance of winning because they will know what to expect from the other side of the ball. Yep. Um, so, yeah, those are those are the, the things we learned from Kevin O'Connell's first appearance on Purple Daily yesterday. Again, thanks to everyone who commented and uh, and just gave us great feedback on the episode at some point. I think we're going to aim to get Quasi on the show as well. That would be fun. Just sort of 
get to know him in this uh, environment. But yeah, thanks to everyone. If you haven't checked it out, obviously you can go back and uh, and you can find it on the Purple Daily podcast feed and or this YouTube channel. I don't think the Vikings are going to have many performance issues offensively this year. But if you're a guy who has performance issues, maybe with ED, you don't have to be embarrassed. It's okay. It happens. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there who are grinding through the same problem. And uh, that's where Valley Park Medical Clinic comes in with the True Pulse Protocol, one of the most effective solutions to ED available. These treatments are surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive. And the Valley Park Medical Clinic team is highly trained. They'll work with you in a discreet manner. So you can just, uh, you know, don't have to be broadcasting it to the public that you're getting this area of your life handled. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. It's also the summer of Surly here. And we appreciate everyone who has shown us their cans on Twitter. We see those coming in over the weekend. That's yeah, right. we certainly do. And and this is the perfect time. It's, let's see here, supreme time, logic bomb time. It's always time for a, a furious, no question about it. But the summer of Surly offers you opportunities that look like the clock is ticking. Enjoy on the lake, on the patio. Wherever you are, if you're enjoying a beverage, and of course, do it responsibly, the Summer of Surly is there for you. My personal suggestion, the Logic Bomb. Absolutely delicious. I saw Dex had an entire refrigerator, went and picked up some yesterday. Do you know why? Because Dex gets it. Dex understands that the Summer of Surly is there for us. Check it out. Surly Brew. I would say it's for me and also, you know, the girlfriend's dad's a big furious guy. So that helps. So if anything to help, you know, obviously smooth over, you know, the the transition from, you know. The, Sounds like the girlfriend's dad and I might be buddies. I think so, too. He likes his purple. He likes his surly him. furious. Yeah, so I had to make sure that, that fridge was stocked for both oh, of us. For both I of would us. keep Judd far, far yeah. away from, Judd, you can't come from over her tonight. family, actually. You can't, yeah, Why? You can't I'll hang out far, with the girlfriend's dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably around his age. That'd be great. And you wouldn't remember his name at all. Whatsoever. It doesn't matter. I don't need to remember a name. Hello. I just need to have a conversation about my favorite beer, Surly. Bye. All right. What are people saying about the Minnesota Vikings? Let's go back to the ESPN.com top 10 players at each position list that are coming out here from our guy, Jeremy Fowler, former Vikings beat writer himself. So the parameters are this. To preview the 2022 NFL season, we surveyed more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to help us stack the top 10 players at 11 different positions. Voters gave us their best 10 players at a position, and then we compiled the results and ranked candidates based on number of top 10 votes, composite average, hundreds of interviews, research, film study, etc. The objective is to identify the best players right now in 2022, not for three years or five years down the road. Today's list that came out, running backs. The number one running back in the NFL, according to 50 people in the league, Derrick Henry. He was also number one last year. Jonathan Taylor is number two. He wasn't even in the 10 last year. And now he's become sort of a fringe MVP guy. Nick Chubb is up to third. Really? Okay. And Dalvin Cook is still number four. He was actually third last year, Uh and now he's number four. So here's what people are saying around the league about Dalvin Cook. Quote, he needs to stay on the field. The whole team is different when he's in there, an NFL veteran offensive coach said. He's great and can get even better with discipline as a runner and growing as a third-down receiver. I think he'll show a more all-around game in a new offense. Uh, another NFC front office member said, quote, I love Dalvin Cook. Give me Cook all day. That burst is impressive. Burst. Football. That's true. Hell yeah. Yes. 
flip those hips and get going. Yes, flip exactly. He's just ahead of Alvin Kamara on this list. Joe Mixon is sixth. Christian McCaffrey has fallen all the way to seventh because he never plays. This position is uh, so volatile. Yeah. Najee Harris, eight. Aaron Jones, nine. Javante Williams is 10th with honorable mentions. Austin Eckler, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and a few others wow. receiving votes. So what do you make of the league, wow. people inside the league thinking Dalvin, you know, despite the injury, he's still the fourth best running back in the NFL? I believe that you, I recall going through, I think it was this exact same list at this position last year. And the, I think you read a Cook's uh, quote in that one that said the exact same thing is, he's got to stay healthy. And I think my response was, yeah, that sounds great, but he never does. Um, so unfortunately, look, the guy's, when the guy can play and he's healthy, he's fantastic. There's no question about that. Um, I, do, I will never expect Dalvin Cook to play 17 games. I think you're probably fortunate if you get 15 like, at this point in time, I don't know what has pushed you to say, this is going to be the year, as he ages, that he's going to stay healthy. The one place where I'm curious, and I'm not even sure this is his fault. In fact, I don't think this is his fault. Is the multitude of ways that he could probably be used now that he wasn't before. Um, I think Dalvin Cook is the bell cow runner, just give him the rock, is a mistake. Because that, more than anything, probably wears you down. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a tough thing. And guys get get hurt. And the reason why the list that you just went through changes so drastically. I mean, Zeke is out of the top 10 now. is because guys get beat up, their careers end quickly. So I guess my biggest curiosity about Cook, and I, and I think fourth is incredibly fair, but my curiosity is this. What can he do in the passing game as well? Because I think if you marry him as far as the running and passing game go, um... I think that there is a step there, and it's not like he didn't catch passes before, because he did. But I think that there is a level there that he has never been used in that I think could unlock another side of his game a bit to make him more effective. The only problem is I don't know if that's going to keep him on the field. Yeah, his biggest season as a pass catcher was 2019. He caught 53 passes for 519 yards, no touchdowns. That's that's pretty good. But he kind of puts up similar pass game numbers as Adrian Peterson did. But when you watch him play, it's like, gosh, this guy feels like he could be unleashed in the passing game to some extent. Do I want him catching a bunch of passes over Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen? Probably not. But should he be catching more than the 34 for 200 yards that he caught last year? Yeah, I think so. I also think, unless it's Irv Smith Jr., I also think I would prefer he catch passes than like uh, C.J. Ham or than a tight end. Like, so if, if the Tyler Conklin of 2022 is going to catch a pass or yep. Cook is, I'll take Cook. Um, I think that Cook needs to come closer to pushing the statistics that in his prime Kamara did. Like, that's the type of guy, because I think he's got that. Peterson absolutely did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Cook has that ability to catch passes. And look, go back and watch. And I continue to say this, and Cook retweeted it. The catch against Pittsburgh was phenomenal. That catch he made over the middle against Pittsburgh is a big league catch. If you can make that catch, you should be put in a position to get more balls through the air. Uh, Alvin Kamara, who you referenced, and he's he's a little bit more diminutive. He's not the... Dalvin Cook can hold his own like between the tackles and up the middle, I think, more sure. than... Alvin Kamara's never even run for 1,000 yards in a season. 
but in the passing game, he his career is pretty insane. 81 catches, 81, 81, 83, and then last year he scaled back to 47 catches for 439 yards. But this dude was over 80 catches on, an, on a regular basis, over 700, 800 yards, and just more of an all-around lethal weapon. So, yeah, I, again, I don't know that they need to be throwing a bunch of dump-off passes and checkdowns, but if it's more just like how can you design some ways for him to get the ball out of the backfield, open space, without taking away from Justin Jefferson, without taking away from Adam Thielen. I'm here for it, for sure. I agree. Okay, other positions in the ESPN's top ten here. Let's go to edge rusher here. Hmm. This is very interesting. Hmm. So a couple of years ago, you would have said, boy, Zadarius Smith and Dalvin, or and uh, Daniel Hunter might even be both in the top five after like maybe 2019. So here are the top ten edge rushers, and the category is... Uh, Defensive ends and outside linebackers who edge rush in three four schemes. So that would include, you know, what these guys are going to be in this Ed Donatel scheme. Number one, TJ Watt. He moved up from second last year. Number two, Miles Garrett, who was number one the year before. So they just flip flop spots. Nick Bosa, number three, up from eight last year. Yep. Joey Bosa, four, down from three last year. Max Crosby, who kind of just came out of nowhere and became this ridiculous pass rusher. He was not ranked last year. He's only 24 years old. He's up to five on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, Von Miller, still rocking it at age 33. Chandler Jones, number seven here. Okay, he was five last year. Brian Burns of the Panthers was unranked a year ago. Now he's up to eighth. Uh, Khalil Mack is ninth, and then Cam Jordan, who's 32 years old now, is 10th on this list. Honorable mentions, Trey Hendrickson, Chase Young, Shaq Barrett, <laughs> Daniil Hunter, just ahead of Demarcus Lawrence. All others receiving votes, uh, Josh Allen of the Jaguars, Robert Quinn of the Bears, and Rashawn Gary of the Packers. Here's the write-up for Daniil. Hunter is a top-10 pass rusher when healthy, but he's missed so many games the last two seasons. Uh, one AFC coach said, quote, a long-arm power guy. Football. Greatest asset, speed and length. Those things will always cause problems. I don't think uh, I don't think he should be what he is. He certainly proved me wrong over the years. And no mention of Zadarius Smith on here. Coming off a of back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. you know what? It's probably fair, but if Hunter can... Uh, can play basically an entire season, which he's not done for two years now. He he missed all of 2020, and then I think he played uh, six plus games in 2021. He'll be back. So, like to me, that that's incredibly fair because he has not played. But if Hunter can play, and if Hunter and Smith can both play consistently, I think at least Hunter is back on that list for sure. Like this to me is just a playing time thing. Because he's incredible. I mean, he has a talent. And if you go go back again and look at the Vikings' defensive statistics last year until Hunter got hurt, the defense was different. Mm-hmm. Like that team fell apart when he got when he got hurt. He is he is. If there are like four guys that can be put on a most valuable, most important list, he's on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Some disrespect to put on the whiteboard in the. 
defensive right. training camp meetings here. Put these, uh, listen, the 50 executives and insiders don't think you guys are very good. I have, I have a Dalvin Cook pass play drawn up. I just thought of this. I just took some notes. Oh, wow. I want to give you. Are you I wanna, like, you're going to show us an actual I drawing give you, here. No, I'm going to describe it. Right, I want to give you. I want to give you though a way that he can be used and has been before, but more consistently now. Have you been playing would, Madden, or where are you getting? Where are you getting nightmares. these play call ideas? Pays money to watch Judd play Madden. Judd's like I've been I'm playing. Playing, tech, no, I've been playing Tecmo head. Super Bowl. Okay. We were talking about how you Check. can maximize him because I don't think handing him the ball is Not maximizing route. him. At times, it's fine. Judd's like, anyway. okay, so you're going to hand it to Dalvin. He's going to take two steps forward yeah. and then pitch it back to Cousins, who's oh, going to throw the ball down the field. Don't eliminate it's that. It's called a too. flea flicker. Don't eliminate flea the flea flicker. flicker. Don't eliminate that. I would but call I'm... five flea flickers a game if I was an NFL play caller. I would just I would just be di- – Tecmo Super Bowl, flea flicker was the most effective play because your quarterback you know, could throw it 90 yards down the field. There's nothing worse now, though, than when it's called and it ends up being like a 10-yard pass. I hate that. It's a buzzkill, but Jefferson, there has to be an underneath route. I think know. Jefferson uh, should be a penalty. It, like, but I mean, yeah, you, if, like, you, if you commit down, to a flea flicker, flicker, the ball has to travel forty yards in the air, yeah. or it's a fifteen-yard <laughs> penalty. I like that. I like that because there's nothing worse than it's a flea flicker and Cousins throws to CJ Ham. That sucks. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the play, and here's an, an example, in my opinion, of how Dalvin Cook can be used. All right, Cook in the backfield, Thielen and Jefferson out there. A blitz is brought, all right? So Kirk is going to have pressure. Now, the ideal thing is a deep shot to J.J., but let's just say he's covered. It doesn't work. Kirk panics. Let's just say that that read one is Jefferson. No go. Read two is Thielen. He is covered as well, and there's a blitz, so it's going to be quick. Dalvin, out of the backfield, chips. So he chips his guy because he can block too, all right? And then the supposed check down goes to Dalvin. But now with the blitz, the defenders are clearly all past him, right? This is where you can gain huge yards. And this is an an example of how Cook can be, I think, far more consistently used. And the Vikings did this, but I never thought that they maximized this enough. And if I was an OC, I would call it pick your poison. Pick your poison here. Because if you want to get my quarterback, poison, you're going to be punished somehow. So, you know what? Now, instead of handing the ball to Cook and he runs into the blitz, it's a run, you know, that to me was the 2021 Vikings. I'm talking about open field and maximizing opportunity and for defenses to pick their poison. And Dalvin Cook would be part of the poison. Judd Baldinger right there. Dude, we need we need weekly Judd play breakdowns. That, we need drawings. We need everything. That might be but the, the next chip. Move. The chip, which I love, the chip. The like chip, the chip is an art. The chip is a bleeping art. It really is. You get that chip. Now you're open, and now and now Kirk. Because my biggest problem with Kirk's checkdowns often were who they went to. Well, I think sometimes Kirk. This is this is something I think. And this isn't all on Kirk because I think some of this is more of like a, a coaching thing too. You need to go into the season and then go into the games asking for every single opponent, how are we going to still get the ball to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook as often as possible? Like we went through the math at one point in the offseason that the Rams got the ball to their three best weapons, wide receivers, yep. like 
70 percent of whatever it was, it was some absurd percentage of the time and the vikings were like 20 percent fewer because they were devoting so many passes to backup caliber tight ends or alex madison a backup running back over here and even if it's two or three extra passes per game that you take away from backup caliber players or tight ends and give them over to cooper cup justin jefferson types can make a huge difference it might be the difference between three points or six points or seven points so how do you go into these, to these games in this season, getting the ball as often as possible to Thielen, Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook? And I think Kevin O'Connell thinks along those oh, lines. Because yeah. opposing team, well, but they're, they're taking away Jefferson. Well, then shove Jefferson right back down their throats because they don't get to do that. Um, so there it is. That's the first of Judd's weekly, maybe daily, play breakdowns here on Purple Daily. I think play we need action? some, some drawings in the notebook. Um, that one was presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk, by the way. Dennis Kirk has uh, been helping riders for a long time with over 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. If you ride Harleys, Indians, and maybe you're Ragnar and you're just uh, on a Harley riding around out there with your horns blowing in the wind, uh, Dennis Kirk will offer you same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. and free shipping on orders over $89. Ride more, wait less at DennisKirk.com. All right, that's a wrap on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. Write that down, predictions, and an accountability session on tomorrow's show.